We at V2V Community Church believe in the authority of the Word of God. We teach and expound from the scriptures which forms the foundation of our faith. We pray that this message blesses you. Um, that each of us are here because God ordained us to be here. Um, we, we're here today in the um, 21st century because God ordained this time that you're here at this particular moment. And um, when we talk about divine destiny, we're using words like predestined, predetermined. And you may have heard those words like when I got saved. There were certain words that you heard in Christian language, um, but you didn't understand those words. You've heard them, but you didn't understand them. So I want to help you to understand your destiny that God has for you. Amen? So the, um, we understand when we read our Bibles that we're all predestined for something. In the heart of God, he designed you and I with purpose in mind. When God designed us, he designed us with purpose in mind. You didn't arrive and then God looked at you and thought, what shall I do with this one? Are you here? He did, you didn't arrive and then God like, okay, what should we do with this one now? No, God already predestined you before you were even thought of in your mother's womb, before the foundation of the world, God had you predestined to be here at this particular time to fulfill a particular purpose. The problem that most of us have is that we don't take the time to discover the purpose of, of my being, what I'm supposed to fulfill, what am I supposed to function in? And because we don't understand that, we run around fulfilling everything else that has nothing to do with what we're here for. I asked this question in Bible school. This was a subject I just um, finished teaching in Bible school. And, you know, one of the questions I asked them is, do you know why you're here? Why are you here? Church. That just confirmed what I'm, I was saying, you will need Bible school. Because each of us should be able to confidently answer that question, why are you even alive today? Why are you here? And I'm not talking in church, why are you here, planet Earth? Why are you here? Because if you don't know why you're here, you're not going to live in a way that you, you're just going to be guessing. Every day you get up, you're just guessing at life. You're going to make decisions. You're going to go places. You're going to connect with wrong people because you don't understand destiny. When you don't understand destiny, you're going to connect with somebody that will take you off your destiny. Can you say amen? So this message is going to help you this morning because some of the connections we make, we have to understand. If my destiny is predestined by God and I'm supposed to fulfill a certain role and I'm supposed to walk in a certain way, then the people I connect with, the people that I'm in relationship with, is either going to bring me closer to my destiny or they're going to take me away from my destiny. And I want you to have this picture in your mind of roads. You know, destiny, there's, you know, you, my destiny and your destiny is different. So, you know, in life where, yes, we're all Christians, but I'm on a road that you're on a different road. Some people try to cross over into someone else's road and they mess up. And they find that was not, at that some junction, that person's road is going to steer away in a different direction to the road that I should have been on. Can you say amen? That's why it's important because when you, if you marry somebody that's not um, God ordained, predestined for you to be with, they, their destiny can go one way and yours was meant to go another way. But because you've hooked up with the wrong person, there is that pulling. Um, someone's going to get pulled out their destiny, either him or her, because you're, you shouldn't have been. Some people that that get married, they should have just remained friends. You were just good friends. But we crossed the line and we married our best friend. It's not every best friend you marry. Can you say amen? So God has placed everything in you. Pastor 
done, I was doing a little bit of what I did. He, I didn't tell him what my message was, but he started like tiptoeing through my message. I was just going to hand him the mic and my notes and say, get on with it. But um, he touched on something. Um, God has placed everything in you and I to be who he has called and ordained you to be. That's the kind of God that we serve. Everything that you need to be who you are, who you've called to be, is already on the inside of you. I'm just going to cut this um, apple open. Yeah, come and help me. Find me a seed. Cut it again. Just put it down. Can you see that? Why? It's a tree. Can you see it? It's a tree. Why can't you see the tree? But why can't you see this is a tree? God calls this a tree. You're just looking at the here and now, but this is a tree. There's a tree in here. There's so much potential in this, what we're focusing on, what's right in front of us. But God sees this little seed as a tree. Inside of this seed is everything that this seed needs to become a fruit-bearing, in fact, an apple-bearing tree. Potential. That's what God's got on the inside of you. But if all you do is see the seed, you'll never see the potential of what you are capable of becoming. Because all we focus on, thank you, all we do is focus on what's in front of us. And we never discover our destiny. But we serve a God that is so purposeful that everything he made was to fulfill a purpose. In, in Genesis, when we read Genesis chapter 1, and um, when we look in Genesis chapter 1, God made the sun for a reason. You know, our world would be greatly um, affected if the sun wasn't there. The sun, God created the sun, it wasn't just to throw this ball into the sky. Um, God created the sun to give us light, to give us heat. God is purposeful. And then God created the moon to give us light by night. So everything God made, God made purposefully. How much more you? How much more you? And I want to challenge you this morning to stop living beneath what God has called you to be and to rise up and become all that he has predestined for you to be. Can you say amen? That we live each and every day purposefully in the, according to the design. And you know, the, the beautiful thing about the way God designed us, and um, the way God designed me and the purposes that God designed me for is so different. It's as different as um, me having a different fingerprint to you. There's no two of us that has the same fingerprint in this room. And you know what's exciting is about that? I don't need to envy what God has designed you to be. I don't need to try to replicate what God designed you to be. See, if, if God designed me to be this way, I need to just work on the, what God has designed me to be. So if God designed me to be a cup, I don't need to envy you because you're a saucer. I just need to discover what I'm called to be and to flourish in that and to be the best of what God has called me to be. So I don't have room to envy what God has called you because we're different. Our purposes were different from before the foundation of the world. Can you say amen? So we can put away envy, we can put away um, imitation. You see the world over people imitating other people. You don't need to be an, um, an imitation of anyone else. God made you unique for a unique and a special purpose. Amen? So stop trying to look like someone else. Look like you. That's the best, way, that's the best look that will work on you. The best look, the look that will fit you the best is what you look like. Amen? We don't need to all look the same. Hallelujah. So God has placed everything in you and I. Um, he's ordained, he's called us to be what he's designed us to be. So um, again, inside of every woman, 
God has placed all the parts that allows us to conceive and to nurture, nurse a child. So as much as I may want to dress like a man, cut my hair off like a man, walk around like um, I'm a man, I can do all the outward, but inside, inside the seed is a womb. Inside the seed is a capacity to bring forth milk to nurture a child. A man can't do that. It don't matter what you cut off, guys. Don't matter what um, tablets you take to make things curve out that looks like a woman. Inside the seed, you can never be a woman. You can dress it up on the outside. And this is what the confusion, the world is confused because I can cut off what God, um, the, the outward of what God made me as a man. But you know what? I, as a man, you can never, doesn't matter what surgery they do, you cannot conceive. You can never produce milk to nurture a baby. The capacity of the seed, of the way God made you. The world is, um, we, mo we make choices based on our sexual preferences today. And we get mad because, you know, God's word says something different. But God never made a woman to be a man. Otherwise, we'd have had man bits. God never made men to be women. Otherwise, you'd have female parts. And I'm not talking the cosmetic ones that you can stick on. I'm talking the ones that actually work on the inside. As a seed, God created you to be who you're called to be. Discover your destiny and run with it. If you're a man, be a man. If you're a woman, for goodness sake, be a woman. But everything in you, ladies, everything in you, God put in there because you're a woman. Men, everything in you. Stop trying to be like, and you know, men, we, you're so, men that um, don't know who they are, they overemphasize femininity. Women don't behave like that. We don't, we don't. We, we don't do that. We just walk normal. We don't do that. Because you're doing all the outward because you don't know who you are. And what God has called you to be. And the greatest thing that you can discover in your lifetime, however long or however short, is to know who you are, who God's made you to be, and live it to the best of your potential. Can you say amen? I don't want to live my, live my life, come to the end of the road, and I've been living like a man, and then I realize, okay, God made me a woman. I've just like wasted the entirety of my life being something I was never created to be. Be who God created you to be. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. It, so it doesn't matter how much surgery a man may have to make him a woman. You cannot put within him what God didn't predestine him to be. He cannot conceive or nurse a child because that was never part of God's purposes for a man. One of God's purposes for men is to, to marry the Bible. One of the things that God says to Adam and Eve was be fruitful. And multiply, replenish the earth with godly seed. It was never God's intention that men walk around being single and um, open, keeping yourself open to all kinds of temptations and not fulfill what God has originally created humankind to do. Humankind was designed that a man finds a wife and the, between the two of them they have godly seed. That's part of God's plan and purposes for our lives. It wasn't be that uh, there's too much candy in the shop and I don't know which candy to pick. That's what we get to, so much candy and you just want to have it, all the candy. Well, brothers, you cannot have all the candy. If there's a guy next to you, just tell him, you just got to pick one. Maybe she's your gobstopper. Maybe you need a gobstopper. Whatever the candy is, pick one. You know, see, I think some guys look at it like women are a box of chocolates. It's like, well, I'll have one of those. You know, if you start eating chocolates, you plan that, I'm just going to have one chocolate. And then you end up eating half the box. You can't have the whole box. Just pick one. Marry her. Forget all the um, showy stuff that people are into today. You know, because all of the stuff we do is to impress people. Who cares? 
People, listen, let me give you a heavy revy. Well, you think people are celebrating you, all you, all you posts that you're putting out there on social media, all you're doing is giving them stuff to criticize you and judge you and say how stupid or ridiculous you looked. You may have thought you looked all of that in a bag of chips, but really, that's what social media is. They're cruel. And if you really want to have some idea how people talk about you from your post, look at how they talk about Meghan Markle. I mean, my goodness, she cannot do anything right. She cannot dress right. Her shoes are too big. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And that's what people do. So live, if all you can do is afford a registry office and go out for dinner um, to, be, to be with a person that you believe that God has ordained for you, go do that. Who said you need to spend 20000 10000 on a wedding? You just make it right before God. You make it right illegal. You go and do what you have to do. Um, you can come in the office and pastor will marry you. Don't need the frills. The money you were going to throw on other people who are going to eat your food while they gossip about you at the table. You see the way she looks? <laughs> they're chewing up your chicken bone and they're talking about you. Oh, this wedding. <laughs> this <laughs> They're numbing down your food, numbing down your food. I said numbing down your food. And then they have the audacity to turn up late at your event. And you want to spend money on them? Seriously? Go see Pastor, he'll marry you. Can you say amen? It's okay. Just get married. Just as you're right in the sight of God. And get on with life. That's your deposit. Someone's sitting in your deposit, eating your deposit. And then they've gone about their business and you're broke. Amen. Hallelujah. So God's plan for us was highly intelligent and thought through. In fact, it says in Genesis that um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is having this conversation. And God says it this way, let us, let us, let us make man in our own image. So God the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit was all in on the decision to make you highly intelligent, thought through. You were high, God, God thought it through before he made you. And it's, it, when, when we think about what God put into making us individually, it, it's, it's worth us seeking God to discover what our purposes are so that we can walk in them. Amen. So when we look at the seed, seed reveals the potential of what a thing or person is predestined to be. At the moment, this just looks like a little seed, but it's predestined to be a tree. This is predestined to be a tree. If I were to take this, go and put it in some earth and nurture it, this thing will become a tree and I'll be able to enjoy plenty of this from that tree, the fruit from that tree. This is this this is in this, not the other way around. This, the fruit, is in here. What's in you? What's in you that you've not released? What's in you that's not been planted? What's in you that's not been surrendered? What's in you? While you're holding on to you, your potential stays locked up. While you're distracted by other things, your potential stays locked up and it never becomes this because you don't release this. Hmm. So there is a seed, a predestined future locked up inside of you that cannot be unlocked or released if we never spent intimate time with the one who's called and appointed us. If you want that seed to be released, you're going to have to spend time with God. So I'm talking to you about destiny, but your destiny is not just going to um, reveal itself to you while you're busy with the things of the world or you're distracted by other things. You're going to discover it on your knees. You're going to discover it in the word. You're going to discover it in the time that you spend with God. And this is where most of us, our destiny, our lives are passing us by because we're so busy our world was so distracted by life, by our, the life we create. And we don't take time to tap in to discover, God, what's the life you created me to be? What's the life that you have created for me? 
Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah 1, 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I separated you for myself. I have appointed you to be I stop there. I've appointed you to be, because each one of us in this room has been called and appointed to be dot, 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 whatever it is that God has called us to be and to do. Whatever that may be, that is our responsibility individually to spend the time to discover what God has called me to be and to do. There is a specific assignment that is on each of our lives to, to, um, for what God has called me to be and what God has called me to do. I need to discover what God has called me to be and what God has called me to do. And when I know what God has called me to be, what he's called me to do, I can now begin to walk that out. But if I never take the time to find that out, I'm going to live my life in a way that is everything but what God has called me to be. So if God didn't have a plan for us, he wouldn't have called us. He wouldn't have chosen us, but we are called, we are chosen. We were made for a specific purpose and the seed of purpose is within each one of us. That which God has called us to be. If God has called you to be a preacher, guess what is in there? You know, when God, had called, when God showed me what he wanted me to be, I did not see the potential that was on the inside. I did not see myself as having the capability or the equipment to do what God had, could see me doing. God was showing me um, from the time I got saved what I'm supposed to be, potential. So God was seeing the tree, but all I could see was the seed. In fact, I don't even think I saw the seed. Because I never saw anything in me. But the more time I spent with God, the more yielded I became. And as I put God first place in my life, I began to discover my purpose. My purpose as I'm serving in the house of God. Listen, this is another area. You'll never discover your purpose if you never serve. Serving helps to bring you closer to your purpose. And as we served in the house of God, the purposes of God became clearer and clearer. It wasn't all a big reveal. God reveals it little by little. So if you're looking for the big reveal, that's not going to come. You've got to be faithful to seek God and he'll reveal little by little. Tell your neighbor, little by little. Let's not get impatient with God and run ahead of God. Because, you know, we mess up. When we get too much and God shows us too much, we, we, we presume too much and we mess it up. Can you say amen? So if God, if God didn't have a plan for you, he wouldn't have called you, chosen you, appointed you. So each and every one of us in this room, good news is you are called. You are chosen. You are appointed. And you've been chosen, called, and appointed by God himself. Can you say amen? Ephesians 1.11. I'm going to give you um, a couple of different translations because to, to just bring out what I want this um, to, for you to, how to, I want you to understand. Ephesians 1.11 from the Voice Bible, it says, We stand to inherit even more as his heirs. We are predestined to play a key role in his unfolding purpose that is energizing everything to conform to his will. We are predestined to play a key role in his unfolding purposes. So as God's purposes are unfolding, especially in this time that we're living in, we are in those last moments before the return of Jesus Christ. We're in the last days. Um, so we are in a key position so that we, tell your neighbor, I've got a key role in this. I've got a key role. That means my role is strategic. My role is important. If I don't show up and don't present, then that role, that position is, is not functioning. So we've, each one of us, is, there's no insignificant in this room. Every one of us has a key role. The, the complete Jewish Bible says it this way. Also in union with him, we were given an inheritance. We who were picked in advance according to the purpose of the one who affects everything. We were picked in advance. 
So it's like you go for an interview and there's 500 other people and you're the only one that got, got picked. You know what? That's, that, that's amazing. So out of everybody, God picked you. So there's something special about you. There's a special call upon you. God picked you. So it's for a specific purpose. Can you say amen? We were predestined according to his purpose, his way, his will, not ours. Not ours. Can you say amen? We all have a call of God in our lives and we'll never truly find peace and satisfaction in life until we're walking in it. I love what I do. I love what I do. Because what, what, what's happened? I've, I've found where God has predestined me to be and I'm enjoying it. I enjoy it. Yes, there's challenges. There's tremendous challenges and tremendous things that you go through. But I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied. A lot of people are not satisfied today. And you know you're not satisfied because you keep looking for something else to satisfy you. You try a little bit of this and you try a little bit of that. You go here and you go there. You do this, you do that. And you find there's still that emptiness. Because we're not fulfilling purpose. And it's not till you align yourself with God's purposes for your life that true satisfaction, true fulfillment will be felt. And many people don't feel fulfilled. They don't feel satisfied because you're not where you should be. You're not doing what you should be doing. Amen? So Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verses 29 and 30. Romans chapter 8, verses 29 to 30. I'm reading from the Voice Bible. It says, From the distant past, his eternal love reached into the future. You see, he knew those who would be his one day, and he chose them beforehand to be conformed to the image of his son so that Jesus would be the firstborn of a new family of believers, all brothers and sisters. As for those he chose beforehand, he called them to a different destiny so that they would experience what it means to be made right with God and to share in his glory. Isn't that an incredible scripture? We were, he reached from distant past, he reached into the future. So before the foundation of the world, God saw this moment. Before what we read about in Genesis, before the worlds were formed, God saw you here today. He predestined you here today. So our divine destiny was chosen by God from the distant past, but its ultimate fulfillment is decided by us and it's called free will. And as much as God has a predestined plan for each and every one of us, the choices we make either bring us closer into God's will and God's purposes, or it takes us away. And God gives us the choice of free will, just like salvation. It's available, but not everyone accepts it. No, not everyone chooses it. And it's the same thing with your destiny. God's got this incredible destiny for you. Um, but not everyone chooses to accept it. Many call, but few are chosen. Not everybody wants to accept. You know, many people, they're like, they, we, they just don't want to do, you know, this is enough God for them. I said, for some people, this is enough God for them coming to church. They don't want to serve God any more than that. But I think there's no greater, there's no greater honor um, I'm not going to feel as honored and as privileged doing a job. There's things I love to do, but it just doesn't have this, it doesn't tick my boxes like when I'm doing things for God. I get so much more satisfaction when I'm serving, I'm doing kingdom stuff. It's like yesterday I came here and um, we had an afternoon tea for the elderly and I'd been up um, the night before baking cakes for them. And it's, it's kingdom stuff. Is ministering to, to elderly. Most people would think, well, they're elderly, they may be insignificant. Not at all. And to be able to serve in that capacity, you know, when you're doing what God has called you to do, it doesn't matter how much lack of sleep you get. It just, there is just such a satisfaction and a fulfillment in what you're doing because you're doing it for the kingdom. You're doing it for God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So there, there is a divine and a unique place for each of us in serving in the kingdom. If you're not serving, you need to begin to serve because you're living outside of what God ordained you to be. One of the key places you can't get to your destination without serving. 
Because there's, there's certain things that's developed in you as you serve. You have to put up with people. You have to die to self. You notice that, those of you that serve. You know, there's always like little schisms going on. And it's not to react every time, you know, you're in a team and there's like conflicts and schism. It's not for us, our flesh to constantly raise up. It's for us to actually die. It's for us to actually die. Um, stop fighting and defending yourself. Sometimes, you know, it, when you're serving God, people are going to talk about you. Comes with the territory. They talked about our Lord. If you can't handle that, then you're not going to be able to fulfill. People are going to criticize you. They are going to judge you. They're going to lie about you. They're going to betray you. Comes with the territory. But you know what? In the betrayal, I, a, bit, a bit more of me dies. When people talk about me, a bit more of me dies. The part that needs to die. Stop defending yourself. Tell your neighbor, stop defending yourself. Allow God to defend you. You know, we get, we get so taken off course because somebody talks about us. Hey, comes with the territory. You're not going to um, avoid the things that Jesus had to go through. He got talked about. He got criticized. They didn't celebrate him. They were looking to kill him. And if you think you can get through Christianity and you don't go through nothing, then you're, you're in the wrong place. Or your mind's in the wrong place. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So what you're called to do in the kingdom is unique to you. God has a plan for our lives, but ultimately the choice is ours, whether we accept it or not. The decisions we make on a day-to-day -day basis. It is making purposeful decisions every day to walk according to his word and have a close relationship. You know, every day you make a decision whether you're going to have a relationship with God or not. You make a decision whether you're going to, just the same way you can pick up your phone, you can pick up a Bible. Same way you can read a phone, you read, you, you get all kinds of news and you're reading stuff that people write on social media. Same way you read all of that stuff that ne never profits you, you can still read your Bible. Choices. Choices. Don't tell me you don't have time because most of us, the phone doesn't actually leave the palm of our hands. This is probably the longest time that your phone has left your hand. If phones, if phones could, um, if they were, radiation was coming out of a phone, I think most of us, our, our hands would be no good to us. Because it's, we, it doesn't, most people's phone does not leave their hands. You walk everywhere you go now, look, observe that this week. You get on the bus, you get on the train, you stand in a queue, you're in the doctor's, wherever you are, everybody holding this thing up, this radiation-attracting device, holding it up to their faces. If we can have time for that, we have time, choices, decisions. We can make that same choice to, to, um, to be in God's presence, to be in his word. Amen? So, you see, we have to cooperate with God's plans. He's not going to force it on you. Yes, he's got a plan for me, but he's not going to force me. The ch ultimate choice of whether I accept the assignment. You ever seen Mission Impossible? He gets, this he gets this message and he listens to it and, he, and they give him the, the choice whether to accept the assignment or not. And God has placed in front of us um, an assignment that each of us have been called to do and to fulfill. And it, the choice, the decision to accept that assignment ultimate, ultimately rests with us. So we have to, if we, want to we want to see God's plans fulfilled in our lives, we've got to cooperate with God's plans to arrive at our predetermined determined destination. Can you say amen? Um, let me break down the word predetermined for you. Predetermined means something that is established or decided in advance. So God has established and decided what you've been made to be, what you've been called to do in advance. It's an outcome of or course of events determined in advance. That's what predestined means. Something that's been predetermined, something that's been established or decided in advance. God decided a long time ago what you should be, what you should fulfill, your role on the earth, your role while you still live and breathe. And many of us think we have forever. You know, just this week, you just, you know, things that pop up on my, the news on my phone. Um, there was um, one, this guy, One Direction, 
This 18-year-old sister just pops it. And, you know, that's just, you know, no one expects at 18 that you're just going to just die. Um, no pre-warning, no sickness. You just, you're just gone. And we don't know the length of time that we have. But I know the length of time we have on earth is small. It's relatively short. And we don't have forever to make a decision about whether we're going to fulfill what God has called us to be or not. The time is now. Faith is now. Time is now. Time is of the essence. Can you say amen? And it's time that we wake up to the effects that we can have in our society, in our world, when we start walking in what God has called us to be. Can you say amen? The world, the world desperately needs to hear your voice. The world desperately needs your prayers. The world desperately needs your love and compassion. There are broken, there are hurting. People are in pain. People are in pain and they don't know how to fix it. People are lost and they are desperate, but we're not speaking. We're not walking in destiny. We're not walking like kingdom people. So the, the, the areas and the people we're supposed to touch and affect are being neglected because we're distracted. There are people that are hurting and suffering because we're not doing what we were predestined to do. It's not just about what goes on in this room. It's not just about preaching a sermon. I can preach a sermon by ministering to those in my proximity. I can have enough compassion that I can connect with the people I'm connected to. So that when they are going through something, they know who to call on for prayer, for encouragement, for hands to be laid on when we're in position. But they remain broken, they remain sick, they remain lost because we don't know and we're not doing what we're supposed to do. Church is more than coming in. This is where we come in to learn. This helps us put us on our, our focus. This helps to put us where we should be according to the destiny. This is what we come into church to do, to get refreshed, to hear the word so that we're more clear. After every service, you should be that bit more clear on what you're supposed to be doing. But if all we ever do is come in, listen to a word, go out and be totally non-effective out there, we've missed our destiny. If, if our lives are just about us, what I'm going through, I'm going to give you a heavy review on that in a moment. But if it's all about, well, I'm my, I can't, I've got money for a bill. Well, then it, your gas and electrical get cut off. It's not the end of the world. Hello. It is not the end of the world if you have no electricity. We've been there. We have to go and buy a little camp stove from Argos. You ever seen one of those? Well, you, if you've not seen one, then you, you've never been desperate enough. We had to get a little camp stove to put a pot on to boil eggs. I used to put eggs in a kettle when we didn't have um, pots and stuff to cook on. Didn't have a cooker. Married, had a baby. No cooker. And you lot moan about, I haven't got this and I haven't got that. Get a life. Get the God life. Can you say amen? But we, we winch and we whine and we call it a trial. <laughs> if only you knew what a trial really was. Tell your neighbor, if only you knew what a trial really was. The stuff we label as trials. You know, pastor give an altar call for trials. We all come running out. What's your trial? You don't even know. But you're out here. It's just because you think, I don't know. We come out and we don't know why we come out. We ain't got no trial. Read, read the book of Acts. Read the New Testament. You find out what trial is. 
Let's give it its right. It's like when people used to use the word issue, issue for sin. Just Nate, call it what it is. It's not an issue. You've got a sin. So what we call trials really is not trials. Can you say amen? Until we grow up from those little petty things that we call trials, those little skirmishes, and we begin to die to self and allow the Christ to be made manifest in us, then, we, we, then we'll see the glory. Can you say amen? So from, this, um, from the word predestination, we get the word destiny, destination. What do you think of when you think destination? Most of us think, when I say destination, you think destination holiday. <laughs> holiday, oh, destiny. Um, I, I see, you know, destination arriving at some exotic um, beach holiday. Well, destination means the destination of someone or something is the place to which they are going or being sent. There is some place that God that has ordained that we be going to or we're being sent to. Um, so if I send you to the shop, your destination is to arrive at the shop. If I send you to Tesco's, that's your destination. You know what? You're never going to get to Tesco's until you get up and you begin to move towards Tesco's. It may be raining out there, adverse circumstances, and it doesn't matter what the elements are, I've been sent to Tesco. So you know what? I'm going to brave the rain. I'm going to brave the wind that we've been experiencing in this cold weather. But you know what? I, I'm focused because I know where I'm going. I'm not going to go in the opposite direction because I know where Tesco is. So we have a destination that God is trying to get us to. But nothing's going to happen if all you come and do is sit and just listen and never do anything with the word. There's a place that God wants you to arrive at. Hello. God wants to, there, there's a place that is designated for you to arrive at, but nothing happens until you get on the journey. Amen. It's a place where we walk by faith. You're going to have to use your faith to get to the destination. That means every day you're going to have to use faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We live by faith. Can you say amen? So to arrive at that destination, we've got to walk by faith and not by sight. We've got to trust God um, that is leading us. We've got to trust him that he's leading us in the right direction. Even when it looks like I may be on the wrong path. I've got to know God in such a way that even when my circumstances look negative or adverse, I still understand that I'm on the right path despite what's going on around me, despite what's happening to me. You get that? You know, we have this mentality, um, uh, you know, it's a Christian mindset that when someone's going through something or someone's got cancer and people, I've heard people do this, they're like, have you repented of everything? Because we judge people, what they're going through as God's punishing them. You ever heard that mindset? I mean, you may have that. People assume that if everything's going wrong in my life, I used to do that. When, you know, the early days of my Christianity, um, when things were going wrong, I'm like, God, what did I do wrong? What did I do? I repent, I repent, I repent. Because I figured that if something's gone wrong in my life, it must be I did something wrong. And God's punishing me. He's not that kind of God. He's not that kind of God. He's merciful and he's gracious. And he doesn't, when we make a mistake, he's like beating you up and punishing you and withdrawing blessings. That's not the kind of God we serve. Can you say amen? So let's not label God that when things are going wrong in my life, that's an indication that God's not in this. In fact, sometimes if it's not your self-inflicted stuff, very much, most of the time, when you are on the right path, it's like all hell breaks loose. Talking from experience, when you are doing what God has called you to be, it feels like the whole of hell is coming against you. When you're on the right path, it's like everything starts to go wrong. Things start to, you begin to seemingly lose stuff. And if you're not focused on God, if you're not, if your faith is not locked into God, you're going to get distracted. And while you should be on the path, you got distracted over here. 
You got taken out of your destiny because you focused on what was happening to you. And I'm here to tell you today, I don't care what's going on in your life. Stop being Stop putting all of your attention on that which you're going through and put your mind back on God. Because all that is to do is to take you off course. Can you say amen? Most people, the only time that they are acknowledging God is when things are going wrong. Let's acknowledge him all the time. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 50. Um, we're, just, we're not going to read the whole story because it's, um, it's a long one. But you know, um, you know the story of Joseph. And if you don't, I encourage you to um, read um, from the beginning of Joseph's story. But we all know the story of um, this young 17-year-old boy, Joseph. And God's given him numerous dreams. God's given him um, dreams where the sheaves bow down to him, um, the dreams where the sun, moon, and stars are bowing down to him. And so much so, he's irritating his whole family, including his mom and dad. His brothers are already jealous of him because he's like daddy's little blue-eyed boy. Um, daddy's given him a special coat that no one else has. Um, Joseph is like, um, I think he's like the 11th. The 11th in the line. So he's not the oldest. He, he's, he shouldn't be um, the one that's next in line for anything. He's um, the second to last in, the, in a family of 12, 12 boys. And here's Joseph, you know, um, lots of pride. He's young, he's impetuous. And, you know, he's, he, he's innocent in all his stupidity, he's harmless in all his immaturity. And so, but it, what's happening is God's positioning him for a destination. So the first um, nudge he gets to get on the path that God has for him is his brothers decide they're going to plot to get rid of him. And there was discussion of murdering him. But that wasn't going to happen because God had a destiny planned for Joseph. So as much as the, the thought came to his brothers to kill Joseph, they couldn't do it because God's hand was on him. Whatever the enemy plans or people plan against you, it won't happen because God's hand is on you to arrive at your destination. Can you say amen? So don't, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. No weapon formed or fashioned against you will prosper. Every tongue that will rise against you in criticism, in judgment, we condemn it in the name of Jesus. So we don't get distracted by who's doing what. It will not prosper. Can you say amen? It will not prosper. No weapon. No weapon that's formed or fashioned against you will prosper. Can you say amen? Because God's got a divine destiny. So they end up selling Joseph. Huge betrayal. Oh my God, what's going on? Now I'm, you know, my brothers, my own kin, my flesh and blood, my older brothers, they have got rid of me, sold me to the Ishmaelites, sold me into slavery. That was a big blow, would you not say? If that had happened to your family, decide they're going to kick you out of the family and then go back and lie about you and all of that. So here's Joseph, but he's in God's will. It's all part of God's will. But that's painful. That hurts. Betrayal hurts. But it was what Joseph needed to get him out of where he was, to get him on the path that's going to take him to Egypt. Joseph wasn't going to go to Egypt at any time. But God had a plan for him. So God uses people... And God uses circumstances and God uses situations to position you for where he wants you to be. That's why you cannot view everything that happens to you as bad. You get it? Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through to 21. Well, let's just pause there for a moment. Okay, so the Ishmaelites sell Joseph to this man called Potiphar. You know the story. Joseph now is working in Potiphar's house. He's doing well. God gives him favor. 11 years he's been at Potiphar's house. You know, sometimes the journey's been a long one, and we can think, God, you know, have I missed you somewhere? Have I missed it somewhere? 
because we put a time on God's, but Joseph was right in the will of God. He was right where God wanted him to be. See, God's timing. You've got to get God's timing. Five years earlier, it wouldn't have been. It had to be that specific time. So God put Joseph in a place where he was learning to manage someone else's household. Now, we can, he was still a slave. But he was managing. He, he learned, I, I believe Joseph learned a lot of skills there. Joseph learned the ways of the Egyptians. He learned how to manage someone else's household. In fact, Potiphar said, you have charge of everything in my household. The only thing you don't have is my wife. So Joseph had free running. That means he would have had to have been managing the other workers in the household. So he learned people skills. He learned, he learned management skills. He learned to serve someone else's dream. That's why I said you have to serve. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, you've got to, be, first of all, be servant of all. I think Pastor demonstrated that example really well a few weeks ago. Many of us want to be great, but we don't want to do this. We don't want to do the serving. We just want to arrive at great. There's no great without the serving. And Joseph served this man, Potiphar, 11 years. 11 years. He's 17 when he gets sold. So now he's, what, 17, 28. He's 28 years old and he's serving. And out of the blue, didn't see this woman who'd been casting her eye on him, watching him with his cute little young self. What do they call those women? Um, that goes for young boys. Cougar, cougar. <laughs> she ain't satisfied. Maybe her husband's old and he's not as as he should be, not, not doing what he should be doing, all that kind of stuff. And she sees this young guy, and she, has, she casts her eyes on him, and she premeditated. She sent all the servants away so that the two of them could be alone together. But Joseph, in all of this, is obviously maintaining his relationship and his integrity with God. When we're in the process to, to our destination, are we, are we diligent to maintain our integrity and our relationship with God, because many of us, when we don't, rec when we don't see the, the destination, we don't see what God's doing, we start playing with this and we start playing with that. And we bring, we allow compromise to come into our lives. In the process, tell your neighbor, we've got to keep ourselves. See, in the journey, you've got to keep yourself. Can you say amen? Ladies, keep yourself. Lock it down. Keep yourself. Because I can abort my destiny if I don't know how to keep myself. And you don't have to be single. Married women, some don't know how to keep themselves. Lust don't just happen to single people. Married people get tempted too. Potiphar's wife, she had a husband. She didn't know how to keep herself. And so she accuses, because now Joseph has kept his integrity, and no one would have seen. Everyone was sent away. You know, a little thing on the side, no one would have known, except him and her and God. <laughs> we forget him. And because Joseph rejects her and Joseph flees, she accuses him of rape. 11 years he served in this household. Next he finds himself now accused with this grave, grave accusation because in Egypt that was, the sentence was actually death for, for what Joseph was being accused of. But I believe Potiphar saw enough of Joseph's character. See, the thing is, God needed to get Joseph into prison. Why didn't she try on with him? He's been in the house 11 years. God's timing. You've got to get it. God's timing. 11 years on the dot, Joseph now gets accused of rape. Oh my God, I didn't do anything wrong. I've kept my integrity. I've lived upright. I've been honest. I'm not touched or stolen from this man. But I get accused of rape. We can go into a spin. 
because we're like, oh my God, what's happened? God, you talk about destiny. What's going on? Positioning you. Positioning you. God's, God, we are, he's got us in the palm of his hands. Nothing comes into our lives that did not have to go past God's table first. And sometimes we look at, we, we think about things like that and we're like, well, if, if, how, why did God allow this to get you to your destination? Joseph's timing, now 11 years, he's thrown into prison. As soon as he gets into prison, he meets this um, baker. He meets a cupbearer. Divine connection, it's called. Divine connection that's bringing Joseph closer to his destiny. All the time, God's very much involved in what's going on in Joseph's life. God is very, um, very much instigating the direction because God needed to position Joseph close enough. And all of a sudden, we find the, this baker and his cupbearer um, are thrown into prison by Pharaoh himself. And all the time, people are thinking they're making decisions when God all the time is initiating what he wants to happen. And Joseph meets these guys and he interprets, funny enough, they have dreams. I wonder who gave that to them. And Joseph interprets a dream, um, tells them what's going to happen to them. Um, the one that's being restored, Joseph said, remember me. Remember me when you, go, when you get restored. But then a year passes. What happened to this guy? I interpreted his dream and He's forgotten me. Wasn't the time. Two years goes by and then all of a sudden you find that um, Pharaoh has this dream that he cannot, um, he, he, it, it bothers him. It's a very deep dream. And he asks for all the people around him to interpret their dream. But no one is able to interpret their dream. Now here's God's, this is the one where God like brings it home. Then the, the, the was it the cupbearer? The cupbearer says, oh, I remember someone. God's divine destiny for Joseph's life was for such a time. And all of a sudden, Joseph, in, in a moment, he's gone from all of that stuff. He's gone from prison. Now he's standing before Pharaoh, the man himself. How do you get that appointment? <laughs> you can't just walk up into the queen's palace I don't care who you are or who you know, unless you're invited. There is no other way that Joseph could have got this man's undivided attention. And here's Joseph. In the, he, I guess they cleaned him up a bit, but he's been in prison. He's done time. You know, we, 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 we um, what's the right word? We, we, we count people out based on where they've been. We disqualify people because of where they've been. You don't know God. I said we disqualify people because of their past. We disqualify people because of what they've been through. Let me tell you something. God was equipping that man to be prime minister of Egypt. Everything that Joseph went through was training ground. Everything that you go through is training ground, positioning you, equipping you, because God himself says we should not put a novice, an untrained person in a position of authority. So Joseph was qualified by the time God was getting ready to put him on that position. And Pharaoh gives Joseph, he, he points him as, as um, chief over everything, over everything except his household. And how, do, how does that happen? Let's pick it up now. In Genesis 50 verse 15, it says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us. They've not forgotten what they did to him and may actually repay us. For all the evil which we did to him. That's why don't get, don't get mad and out of shape over what people do to you. They're not your enemy. They're just there to help you get to your destination. We get so labeling of people, oh my enemy, because they hurt me, because they did this to me. That's not necessarily the case. 
Without them, we wouldn't arrive. <laughs> Without them, you wouldn't get to where God wants you to be. The strength you have today, you would not have it without them. That's why God says, I prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Those that helped you arrive at your destination, you should go and say thank you to them. I wouldn't be who I am today without you. Thank you. Paradigm shift. Thank you. Go shake their hand. Send them flowers. Really? Yes, really. Because without you, I wouldn't have the strength I have today. Without you persecuting me, talking about me, lying on me, I wouldn't have the anointing that I have today. Thank you. If I knew their addresses, I'd send them flowers tomorrow. And if you're watching on live stream, just email it into the church. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. Because I am a better person because of what someone did to me. I have a greater anointing because of what someone said about me, lied on me. And you know the hardest bit is keeping your mouth shut while they're doing what they do. You don't need to defend yourself. You do not need to justify yourself. You do not need to explain yourself. God will show you off. He will prepare a table before me. What's he doing? Showing me off. That which you meant for my bad, God intended it for my good. They intended to kill Joseph, but God intended it for his good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So they sent messengers, verse 16, to Joseph saying, Before your father died, he commanded saying, thus, shall you, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you. The father didn't say that. I beg you. Then now they're lying. Please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sins, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespasses of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him because something in Joseph had changed. Something in Joseph had changed. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face and they said, Behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, This is the key. Do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. I am in the place of God. I have arrived at my destination. I am in the place of God. Isn't that an incredible thing to be able to say? I am in the place of God. I know where I'm standing right now. I'm in the place of God. I'm in God's divine place for my life at this given moment. I am doing what God has called me to do right now at this given moment. I'm being what God has called me to be right now at this divine moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Joseph says to them in verse 19, do not be afraid for I am in the place of God. But as for you, as for you, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people's lives. That was Joseph's whole purpose and calling and destiny. God had ordained that Joseph was going to be positioned to save many people's lives. Hallelujah. Now, now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. This is humility that's come. But the whole journey, um, he was 17 when he began the journey, 13 years it took for Joseph to get to where God has called him to be, for that opportunity to arise, for the opening. Joseph was already there. I said Joseph was already there. He could have been here when he should have been there. Where are you? Joseph could have missed that moment because he was in the wrong place because many of us are too busy saving our own skin trying to get ourselves out of what God has put us in and instead of being where we should be we're still back here I want to encourage you today 
count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations, count it all joy when you find yourself in the middle of trials and circumstances, knowing that I'm that much, much more closer to where I should be in the things of God. Stop whinging and whining about where you are and what you're going through and recognize that God is positioning you for greatness. God is positioning you to fulfill the purpose of why you are here on planet earth. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Destiny leads to destination. Joseph had a dream, went through a long process of 13 years before he arrived at his destination. Joseph's predestined purpose was to preserve life. What life have you been predestined to preserve? It could just be one. It may be thousands. It may be hundreds. Whatever it is, be in the place where God ordained that you be in. Can you say amen? God will not predestine us to evil, so you don't need to be afraid of God's plans for your life. God does not predestine. He says, in fact, in Jeremiah 29, 11, my plans for you, my purposes for you are for good and not for evil. My life, our lives, are ultimately to affect others. God is into lives being saved. Look at Esther. God positioned everything Esther went through, the, the positioning of everything about Esther, removal of Vashti. It wasn't that just Vashti was just being rude and the king just wanted to get rid of her, but God needed to position his woman. God needed to position his woman to save many lives. Esther couldn't have done that if she wasn't where she should be. But God positioned this woman of God in the, in the place. In fact, she took someone else's position. God removed someone else so she could have that position to save lives. And I want to encourage you today, your life is significant. The purpose of you being here is significant and you need to discover it. Whether it's to your generation, whether it's to your community, there are people that God has called you to touch. There are lives that God has called you to save. And that means I've got to live outside of myself. And this whole thing cannot be about I, me, and myself. I have to see the bigger picture. I have to see what God sees. I have to catch what God has. Can you say amen? Stand to your feet with me today. Thank you for listening to this message. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us at v2bcommunitychurch.com or you can contact us at v2bchurch at aol.co.uk. God bless you.